Good evening, good evening, good evening. I couldn't decide how to start tonight's show. I just wasn't feeling creative today. I couldn't think of any good ideas. Uh, so I figured I'd just copy Bill Michaels. I mean, uh, after all, that's what the Celtics did with their 2022 City Edition uniforms we saw last night. They're like, ah, what color should we make them? I don't know. I'm not feeling creative. Let's just copy the Bucks. Why not? If the copycat strategy is good enough for the Boston Celtics, if the Boston Celtics, who have won plenty of titles over the years, if they can rip off one of their peers, one of their other teams in their league, I can rip off Bill Michaels. I can copy Bill Michaels. Okay, I just, I hate the Celtics and everything they do. I just needed to make that point. Okay, now we can actually start the show. Simple. Simplify some things. There's very simple things. Very simple plays. Then we need to simplify things. Rain it in a little bit. Let's just simplify some things. The simplest plays are the best plays. Reel it back in a little bit and simplify some things. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. nights we've basically talked about the Packers nonstop. Taking a lot of great calls. Mike Clemens helped us out last night. Talked about Matt LaFleur, what he needs to do better. Aaron Rodgers, what's going on with him? The subtlety of simplicity. We've discussed that the last two nights. It's been fun, and I don't apologize for it. Like, the Packers are 3-3. Three and three. Not saying they're in crisis mode, but we didn't expect them to be 3-3. Three and three. When they cleared, what was it, the Bears or the Buccaneers? to go, they've been two and one at that point. We said, okay, now they win the next three going into Buffalo. They take care of business at home against New England and against the Jets. They beat the Giants. They beat the Command. Those are easy games. Well, they've gone two and one the last three weeks and they probably deserve to lose to the Patriots the way they played at home that 3.30 game a couple of weeks ago. The Packers are lucky to be three and three. So I don't feel bad. I don't feel like we've dwelled on them too much or obsessed over them. They're certainly the team that we should be talking about right now. But at least to start tonight's show, I need a little change of pace. We're still going to talk plenty of Packers tonight, especially in the second hour of the show. But I want to talk about some different things. I want to talk about the baseball playoffs. Opening night of the NBA was last night. Some other fun things. But first, just to set the mood to get our motors running, may I read you the slate of NBA games we have going on tonight? Oh, grab on to something. Take a deep breath. Take a drink of water. Here we go. Ooh. Magic versus Pistons. Oh, I love it. The Wizards versus the Pacers. Well, Johnny Davis versus Benedict Matherin. That's kind of fun. The Houston Rockets versus the Atlanta Hawks. Love that. The Pelicans versus the Nets. That's a must watch. The Bulls versus the Heat. I might might be able to skip that one, actually. The Cavs versus the Raptors. That's going to be a rock fight. The Knicks versus the Grizzlies, fun. The Thunder versus the Wolves. Charlotte versus San Antonio, I'll probably skip that one. The Nuggets versus the Jazz, probably skip that one. But late on ESPN, Dallas and Phoenix. And, of course, the nightcap, our Sacramento Kings. Always giving us something to watch late, late, late at night. They take on the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, yes. Yes, that's tonight. Can't wait. All right, well, let's just wrap up the show now. I want to go home and watch these games. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an excellent day. Hope your work day was nice. You're ready to talk Packers for a little while. I want to get to the Packers, especially in the second half of the show. I have a couple of Packers points I want to mix throughout the first hour of the show as well. But like I said, I want to talk baseball. I want to talk a little basketball. I want to mix some different things in today because I feel like the last two days, 
just really, really, really Packers heavy. And I think we need to remove ourselves from the situation, zoom out, take a deep breath. So when we return to the Packers, we can do so with a clear head, maybe get some new ideas, maybe get out of the rut that we've been in for the last two nights. 608-796-2558. If you'd like to call and text the show and you can tweet me, I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Last night was outstanding. The NBA was back. Now we had some MLB playoff action in the afternoon as well, and we have some action right now. The Phillies and the Padres are playing, so I'm going to keep an eye on that. Yesterday was great. We had two Eastern powers, Philly, Boston. That was the early game. Warriors versus Lakers. That was the late game. Chuck, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie back on my TV. They all just signed long-term extensions earlier this week. Excuse me. I'm no diehard 76ers fan. You know I don't like the Celtics. I don't watch every NBA game. Obviously, no one could do that. But that's not what this is about. It's not about any specific moment or team that played last night. It's not. It's bigger than that. It's a comfort thing. You know, the NBA is back on my TV. It's like coming home to a, a wife and kids, you know, and they can't wait to see you. You come home after a long, stressful day and, you know, little little Bobby and little Sally, they're, they're waiting at the door. Oh, and there's my loving wife, Smooch. Oh, how's the dog? Scratch him on the head. Like, that's what it felt like to come home last night. My apartment was very empty. I did leave a pork loin in the slow cooker, though. That was, I mean, it was it was just great coming home last night. I just, I just had a great time. The Warriors are unreal. They have an aura about them. Like, players that join them become the best version of themselves. Like, Jordan Poole, obviously, is a great example, and we followed him. But now even Dante, I'm watching Dante DiVincenzo last night. By the way, no one outside of Bucks fandom can say his name. Like Reggie Miller, <laughs> poor guy. And then I was listening to Bill Simmons pod today. They're like, DiVincenzo, it's, it's a V. It's not hard. Like, DiVincenzo could not be easier, guys. But Reggie Miller's tripping over himself, biting his tongue. DiVincenzo, right? Wiseman looks like a legit rim-running center. It was really fun to watch the Warriors last night. And again, I will tell you, if you're not into the NBA, maybe you only watch the Bucks. Maybe you don't watch basketball, but maybe you want to start Watch the Warriors. The ball flies around, and they're running, and the playmaking is great, and the passing is great. It's it's just great. I love the Warriors. We'll talk more about them in the NBA Lounge tomorrow, specifically one player that I tweeted about last night. The Lakers might stink. The Lakers stink. It's not that they might stink. They stink. Anthony Davis and LeBron are going to put up stats. they got no one on this team who can shoot. If LeBron doesn't hit five threes a night or three threes a night, they're not making threes, plain and simple. It's kind of important in 2022. You need guys to hit threes. You also need guys that can defend. The Lakers don't have anyone. They're starting Patrick Beverly at wing at a size position. He's 6'2". Uh, the Lakers stink, but last night wasn't about the Lakers. It was about the Warriors who got the rings, then obviously two Eastern Conference superpowers. Both rivals of the Bucks were back as well. The newly renewed Charles Barkley gave us uh, an early moment, a great moment on opening night about the Lakers bringing some heat. This is Barkley at halftime of the second game. I admire him. I respect him. By the way, they're talking about Russell Westbrook. That's my bad. I admire him. I respect him. It's time for the Lakers to move him. They have taken all his joy out of life in basketball. Chuck, is five out of eight. No, it's not about the numbers. First of all, the Lakers stink. We can get that out the way. Those two guys just out there having fun, AD and LeBron, they're just getting numbers. You never thought they were going to win this game. You know, they're just going through. They're like getting numbers. How can you tell that Westbrook's joy has been stolen? He doesn't look. This guy used to be so exuberant, playing with great energy and great emotion. 
I think the wear and tear mentally last year, starting this year, playing with Patrick Beverly, he's going to, and the thing is, he going to get the blame no matter what. Because the Lakers ain't a championship contender. He's actually right about everything. That doesn't mean Russell Westbrook's without blame. I just love that the halftime show is is consisting of a guy saying, we all knew the Lakers weren't going to win tonight. This team stinks. And they've played two quarters. <laughs> I love Barkley. I'm so glad he didn't chase a check to go cover Liv or whatever the rumors were. I need to ask Ben Kenny. I still don't understand the Liv, if we're being honest. I don't understand when golf season begins and ends. I don't, I don't understand anything. So that'll be a question for Ben Kenny. Speaking of Ben Kenny, we got to talk about the baseball playoffs and we got to talk about Ben Kenny's Phillies who just took a one to nothing advantage in game two of the NLCS. The Phillies got some spice. Okay. The Phillies have some attitude. I wish one of our teams had the attitude of the Philadelphia Phillies. They're angry. They're slamming their bats down. They have an edge. They seem to kind of embody what the sports culture is in the town of Philadelphia. I wish the Packers would have an edge. I was saying the other night, nobody hits anyone on that Packers team. Watch the Broncos play defense. The worst defensive player on the Broncos roster hits harder than the hardest hitting Packers defender. Packers don't have an edge. The Brewers don't. The Brewers have an opposite of an edge. The, the Brewers don't have an edge. They have an opposite of the edge. I don't even know what that means. They, they're, they're, they're in the negative edge category. Like if there was a spectrum of teams that have a huge edge to no edge, they they break the spectrum. They're on the, if you follow the X-axis all the way over to the left, they actually cross the Y-axis into a team with an opposite edge. They basically folded at the trade deadline. Not entirely their fault, and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes because I want to talk some baseball. The Phillies have an edge. This team has some junk in the trunk, okay? And I remember the Brewers playing the Phillies in June, and that was amidst that eight-game losing streak. And I think the Phillies, I don't know if they had fired their manager yet, it was fairly early in the season when they did it, when they let Joe Girardi go. I don't remember exactly when it was. But I remember watching the Phillies, who were underwhelming at the time, and I went back and I looked at one box score, and I think the Phillies were like three games under 500 or something. And I was thinking, damn, they got Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, they got Bryce Harper, Castellanos, JT Riamuto. Philly has maybe five bats that would all be the Brewers' best bat. Like if you took Harper, best hitter on the Brewers. Reese Hoskins, Best hitter on the Brewers. Schwarber, Riamito, Castellanos, same thing. All of those guys would have been the Brewers' number one. And the Phillies have five or six of these guys. I remember thinking in June, like, damn, this team actually has a lot of scary bats in the lineup. And they swept the Brewers, of course, just like they swept them last year when they played in May or June or whatever that was. So I'm excited for Ben Kenny's Phillies. I'm also excited for the Padres. Not anti-Philly. I, I don't really care which team wins this series. I will be very pleased with both outcomes, with both teams. The Padres are baseball's fun team, but I think they have the most talent outside of maybe the Yankees, but I don't mind cheering for a super team if the super team doesn't play in New York or L.A., right? If the Dodgers had this roster and they traded for Juan Soto, Juan Soto is the first available young superstar that the Dodgers weren't able to steal because they just don't have to care about price. Like, that was Mookie Betts. They got him. They got Trey Turner. They got Scherzer came along with Turner, but then they were able to keep Turner. They got Freddie Freeman, who's not young, but the franchise star. The Dodgers, reason I don't like watching the Dodgers is I watch their batting order. It's like, oh, here's the franchise star that you stole from this team. Here's the young budding star that this other team was too cheap to keep. Uh, Here's the franchise star from the Red Sox that now plays. Like, it doesn't feel organic. It at least feels organic with the Padres. And I'm a little bit more likely to cheer for San Diego than I would be L.A. 
or New York. I just hate liberals mostly. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have no problem cheering for the Potters. They're a fun team, and they're the absolute opposite of the Brewers. They're the anti-Brewers, right? They are the team that's going all in this year and maybe next year. They're not worried about the next 10 years. They're worried about the next two. They added Soto and Bell and Josh Hader, and they're going for it. I want the Brewers to look as bad as possible when this baseball postseason concludes. May that be at the end of the championship series or the World Series. I just want the Brewers to have as much egg on their face as possible because they deserve it. I love the Brewers, Brewers fan. I will always be a Brewers fan, but I want them to look terrible. And I think directly they look worse if San Diego advances to the World Series because the Padres are, like I said, the anti-Brewers. Josh Hader, Josh Hader literally said it. Remember when Josh Hader said this after the trade deadline? The atmosphere here is they want to win and, and you know, not just go to the playoffs, but win a World Series. And, and like I said, that's a, a contagious atmosphere to be a part of. And, um, you know, obviously the moves that AJ and, and the front office has put together, it's uh, it's exciting. And, you know, that's the that's the mentality that, that they're perceiving out here. And as players, that's, that's what you want. So, um, you know, to be a part of that group and to be a part of a, a trade to come here, it's... Uh, it's, it's special. Josh Hader basically directly saying, yeah, the Brewers are, are fine, I guess, but this team's actually trying to win a title. <laughs> because, of course, this Brewers season's been insane. We could write a book on this season. I would read a book, and I don't really love reading. I'll force myself to read books. I don't get up in the morning thinking, God, I can't wait until I have some time to sit down and read. But I would read a book written on all of the crazy bat crap Things and quotes and plays and moments in the 2022 Brewers season. The Padres are the anti-Brewers, and I would love to see them advance because it would make the Brewers look terrible. But the Brewers look almost as bad if Philly advances. Kurt Hoga, the Journal Sentinel, tweeted this today. Our friend, we should have Kurt back on the show just to have Kurt on the show because I love Kurt. Said the Phillies went seven and thirteen to finish the regular season, doing almost everything in their power to hand the last wild card spot to Milwaukee, and then immediately after have rattled off wins in seven of nine against three very good playoff teams. Yeah, the Phillies are basically doing the thing that the Brewers organization said they couldn't do. Right? I don't think David Stearns, Mark Atanasio believed that this team could all of a sudden get hot once the postseason started. So they basically shot their own team in the foot. They're like, well, if they make it, fine, but whatever. This team doesn't have any. This team can't compete with the Dodgers or the Mets. Oh, Dodgers who failed to make the championship series? The Mets who failed to make the championship series? The Phillies are doing what the Brewers could have done. Who knows if they had just gotten into the playoffs? Again, the Brewers just kept Hater, added a bat just for vibes. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, the Brewers will never beat the Padres or the or the, the, the Mets or the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers and Mets are already out, so maybe the Brewers could have beat them. Phillies did, right? Padres did. It can happen. That is baseball. Oh, the Cardinals are much better. The Car- We forgot the Cardinals even existed. They were eliminated like that. They barely were in the playoffs. They stuck one foot in the door. It's like the Simpsons meme where the guy walks in the door, hangs his hat on the rack, grabs it, walks right back out. That was the Cardinals. Oh, the Cardinals were so much better than the Brewers. Were they? Were they? I want to keep talking about the baseball playoffs for a couple of minutes. Like I said, we've talked so much about the Packers. I just want a little palate cleanser, and then we'll get back into football. I have some football takes, including some Packers takes, and we'll get to that at 4.30 or so. 608-796-2558. couple more baseball takes coming back in a few minutes. You can hit me on Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to get back into football in a couple of minutes, talk a lot of Packers after 5 o'clock. We've just done two straight hours of Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Jones, Joe Barry. We did two straight hours of that last night, two straight hours of that on Monday night. I just think we need to take a step back, maybe talk about Major League Baseball playoffs, maybe some NBA takes if you got them. We're going to do more NBA tomorrow, NBA Lounge in the 4 o'clock hour. And the Bucks have their season opener against the Sixers tomorrow night. A couple of texts. Um, Pete in Chippewa. Doesn't Phillies? Doesn't the Phillies run support Stern's bite at the Apple theory of get into the postseason and get hot at the right time? Yes, they do. However, David Stern's prevented his team from getting into the postseason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in order to to get hot at the right time, you need to get in. Uh, and trading away hater prevented them from getting in. Again, I think the bites of the apple strategy is a good one. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Brewers. But you need to get a bite, and they didn't get a bite this year. And you also, maybe keep it to yourself. Don't tell your players directly that you're trying to be good, but not too good. Just keep that to yourself. You know, communication, strategy, public relations, we need a little work from David Stearns. Mike in Chippewa Falls says, I hate Manny Machado so bad that I can't root for the Padres. I'm really glad they beat the Dodgers, though. Go Phillies. Hey, I think it would be great if the Padres win because it makes the Brewers look worse. I also think the Phillies winning makes the Brewers look horrible, too. So this is a win-win for me. Alex says Phillies win the series in five. Uh, Padres beat the Dodgers, and I don't think they can match that uh, the energy that it took in that series. That's an interesting point when you almost like you feel like you slay the dragon in round two and then you get to the next round and there's a little bit of a letdown. I think the Boston Celtics experienced that in the playoffs last year. I think that battle in the second round with the Bucks was so draining and such a challenge that when they finally got over the hump, they were a little exhausted and I think they were just weathered. And the Heat took them to seven games and Jimmy Butler almost won the series at the end. Right? Like that series had no business going seven games. But sometimes when you have that, that, that crowning moment, that climax moment, in the second round of the playoffs, sometimes that creates challenges for teams moving forward. Jared and DeForest says, any way you do it, winning a World Series is a great accomplishment, but I hold winning with more homegrown talent in higher regard. Uh, he said earlier, I think Houston has the most homegrown talent of any team remaining. That would be the only team I'd give credit to for building a championship team. The rest can get credit for buying a championship team. Um, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. The Dodgers just take it to a gross level for me. You know, every team that wins a title is probably going to add talent through free agency or a trade. So you're really never going to have fully homegrown teams for the most part. You're always going to make outside additions. The problem is with the Dodgers, everyone is an outside addition. Like who is Mr. Dodger other than Clayton Kershaw? Like maybe Chris Taylor? Maybe Bellinger, but Bellinger is like a fringe lineup guy at this point. Like, he just hasn't been great. Freddie Freeman, that's a brave, right? He's a brave. Mookie Betts, Red Sox. Clearly, Trey Turner was a national. I'll always see him as a national. So when I watch the Dodgers, I just see a lot of mercenaries that I know from other teams, and they happen to be wearing Dodgers jerseys. That's a hang-up for me. I don't love that. I get it, but I don't love it. Hector in Alaska, last text. Two things. Uh, I'm rooting for... 
can we proofread? <laughs> I don't know what this means. I'm rooting for San, Nick, San Diego because that's where I was born and raised. I'm assuming that's what you meant. My brother's fans and sisters are Yankees fans, and I can't bring myself through for the Yankees. That would be great if Justin gets to the World Series. The guy we should have kept in Soto, uh, the guy you should have went after. Okay, hater. I think it's hilarious that LeBron talked down on his team so quickly after yesterday, after game one, nearly one game into the season, you're already talking down about how your team doesn't have any shooters. Well, they don't have any shooters. It was so clear last night, not to bury the the, the Lakers prematurely, or not even to talk about the Lakers, because I know most of you probably don't care. We knew the Lakers needed defense and shooting this offseason, and they added no defense or shooting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we got Lonnie Walker, 3 and D. But does he shoot? He doesn't really shoot threes, and he doesn't really play defense. That's the thing. You can sign any name that we know and say, oh, good 3 and D guy. But it, he, but he's not. But he's not. Patrick Beverly, they're going to have to play him at the wing against players that are way bigger than him. He's just not that guy. So I, I'm, I'm not prematurely burying the Lakers. We knew who the Lakers were last year. We know who they are now. They're just not very good. But we're talking baseball. Why don't we talk a little bit more about how the Brewers relate to what's going on in the playoffs now. Talk about what does it mean if the Phillies win? What does it mean if the Padres win? You know, I I got a text from, who was that? Not Jared, but Pete in Chippewa, who said, well, if the Phillies make it to the World Series, that actually proves the Brewers' strategy of bites at the apple. Again, I don't hate the Brewers' strategy of bites at the apple. You can't say it, though. And that doesn't mean you should trade away a player like Josh Hader midseason. If you trade him in the offseason, fine. That's strategic team building, and you're not messing up the chemistry midseason, and you're not surprising all of your guys. Doing it midseason is is suicide. And that's how it was received with the team. They quit. They quit. They couldn't come back from it. And the additions they got just sucked. I just see a lot of Brewers fans on Twitter these days, and I saw this this last weekend when Hader struck out the Dodgers, when he closed the game on Friday and on Saturday, and I saw a lot of Brewers fans on Twitter saying, oh, that was such a dumb trade, blah, 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 blah. And I see people who are texting my show, and I've taken calls. Oh, the Hader trade was so bad. Not to be this guy. I'm old enough to remember taking calls in June when the Brewers weren't playing particularly well. And I remember some of you telling me, the Brewers need to trade a Hader now. And I'm old enough to remember seeing some prominent voices on Brewers Twitter saying, well, we got to get something for him. And now all these folks want us to forget about that. And they want to dunk on the Brewers with the rest of us. It was all the hater trade was bad. You were calling for the hater trade. The Brewers uh, the Brewers killed the season by trading hater. You, I saw you tweet they, that they should trade hater. You called the show and told me that they should trade hater before they ever did. All I want to say I was right. I was right. All the revelations you are now having or some of you are now having about the Brewers and the hater trade and what it meant for this franchise and how it was received and everything. I knew it all in June. I I knew it all in June. And this is not me like puffing out my own chest. This is me saying, hey, when I tell you things about one of our teams, like, listen, work with me. Believe me. Because we can save so much time. Right? And I, I know a lot of people who... Wanted the Brewers to trade Hater, but now don't like the trade. And I was here. Well, they didn't get a good return. I, I figured they'd get something better for him. I mean, come on. Yeah, and they were never going to get anything better than that, which is what I said in June. I said, guys, the only teams that will acquire Josh Hader, the only teams interested in acquiring Josh Hader will be contending teams. 
because a high-priced closer is of no use to the Pirates. He's no use to the Nationals, right? So you will be dealing Hader to a team that's contending, which is a problem, first and foremost, because now you're trading him to a team that you might see in the playoffs, and they might have seen him in the playoffs had they made the playoffs. So that's problem number one. Problem number two, if the Padres, let's say, are competing for a World Series and trying to win a World Series, acquiring Hader makes sense, but they're not going to give you anything worthwhile for now, because anything that helps the Brewers now also helps the Padres now. Well, they should have traded him for Major League help. They were never going to get Major League help because the teams looking to trade for Hader are trying to win themselves. So why would they weaken their team? No, they they were going to get prospects and a guy like Taylor Rogers. That's exactly what they got. That's the only deal that was ever going to happen, which is why I was against the steal from the jump. And some, like some Brewers fans, David Stearns himself, he said, well, it ruined the locker room. I, I didn't expect that. Well, you should have. Sorry. Like, sorry, you were naive. That's on you, David Stearns. That's on you, Brewers fans, that thought the Josh Hader trade was a good idea until you realized how it affected the locker room. I said in June, I remember talking to David Gasper. I remember talking with callers. I remember talking with everyone and saying, if you trade Hader, this locker room will shut. You're, you're selling when you're in first place. The division is winnable. The NL is winnable as the Phillies are now putting on display. Well, it it looks bad now because San Diego is winning, which is what I said. I said, if you trade him to an NL rival, especially, and he goes on to look good in the playoffs, it's going to curse the Brewers. It's going to make them look so stupid and they're never going to recover. By the way, I love David Stearns as a GM. I don't know if I'll ever get over what he did last year. I don't think a lot of Brewers fans will. His position and this era of Brewers baseball has been tainted and warped and ruined in a way that it was not. If the Brewers played out the season and didn't make the playoffs, he'd say, okay, they underperformed. They'd overperformed a lot of the years previous. Let's see what they do next year. But no, 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 no. The hater trade changed all of that. This team is cursed. It's warped. It's it's messed up. It's effed up. So, by the way, if you want to call in, text in, and say that I'm wrong about the Packers, okay. But was I wrong about Josh Hader? One of my favorite Everybody Loves Raymond's episodes where Marie has lost her canister. And she's like, Deborah, you have my canister. And Deborah's like, no, I do not. And then we learn that Deborah had the canister and she wouldn't give it back to Marie because if, if Marie knew that she was right, the rest of Marie's life, she'd be like, was I wrong about the canister? Was I wrong about the Milwaukee Brewers? Let's see. Dave said, hater trade, hater trade too early to say the players suck. Ruiz will be good. Are they ever going to call him up, Dave? Or are they just going to... Let him play down in Nashville and then retire his number. Okay, Ruiz will be good. Oh, that'll be nice next year, the year after, when Burns isn't here, when Hayter's no longer here. I, I, okay, sure, Ruiz is great. Is he, is he going to be good? If he's Mike Cameron, that's not good enough. And Mike Cameron was a pretty good center fielder. Mike from Chippewa Falls said, I'm old enough to remember watching the Milwaukee Braves on TV. Being a Brewers fan since 1970 has been a long, frustrating road. Yeah, Says, I didn't watch any baseball from 94 to 2004, so if I tune out, I'll be okay. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree with all of that. Being a Brewers fan is, is it's, it's an obligation. It's, it's a walk along a, a, a spiky, stony, hot pavement road, and you have no shoes on. It's not a good time. It's not a good time. Uh, but the Brewers did not have to do that hater trade. That was even out of pocket for them, a team that constantly does out-of-pocket things. Let's take a break. I want to get into some football takes. I have a funny idea for a segment. It's takes that I've noticed this week 
that it's things that are being said about other teams that I've heard said about our teams. But it's really funny when another team has the issue, right? So I, I've heard people say things about the Broncos or the Eagles or the Philadelphia 76ers. And I've heard takes and criticisms being lobbied at them that have been lobbed at our teams. And it's funny when it's happening to other teams. So I want to share with you a couple of the takes that I've read and seen this week. And we'll get the Packers into the fold coming up next. It's the Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, still going to the Josh Hader well. That, that topic still gets me going, still gets everyone going. Months later, can't wait till winter meetings. We'll do it again. If spring training starts, do it again. We can keep talking about the hater deal. That one's going to be one that sticks for a while. Certainly some egg on the Brewers' face. And the way I see it, whoever advances out of the NLCS will make the Brewers look bad. Padres marginally more, mostly because the Padres are the anti-Brewers and Grisham and Hater have looked really good. But also if the Phillies advance, it's like, okay, so you could have just snuck in like the Phillies and who knows. Uh, but... No, they had to get even cuter than the Phillies. It's like, no, we're going to do it with Matt Bush and Taylor Rogers. And we don't even talk about the Trevor Rosenthal trade, which is probably pound for pound the worst move that the Brewers made this year. There was a, there was a move worse than the Josh Hader trade. Can you believe that? Man. Coming up at 5 o'clock, I have some fresh Packers takes. Completely fresh. Right? The last two days we were talking about What's the deal with Rodgers? What's the deal with Lafleur? Joe Barry needs help getting dressed in the morning. He doesn't know what he's doing, right? Some fresh takes, brand new fresh takes, including some stats about one player in particular that just needs to be better. He needs to be better. The Packers need to use him better. So we'll talk about that for Slow News Wednesday at 5.30. Give me a text, 608-796-2558, or tweet me at Wisco Grant. I've been watching a lot of games this week that don't feature our teams. So Monday Night Football with the Broncos and the Chargers, Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA so far, Bucks will play tomorrow night. The Brewers obviously eliminated themselves. Sunday to me was more about Kansas City and Buffalo. Like, yeah, the Packers-Jets played at noon, but really for the entire second half of that game, I was thinking, man, I'm excited to turn on Bill's Chiefs. (laughs) And then the Eagles on Sunday night, Russ on Monday Night Football. That game wasn't even over. That noon game, Packers-Jets wasn't even over, and I was already thinking about other games that I was excited to watch. And last night, we were watching two of the Bucks' rivals. We were watching Celtics and Sixers back like they never left, by the way. Like they never left. Philly shot so many free throws in the first half because, of course, they did. Marcus Smart was flopping everywhere because, of course, he did. Then him and Joel Embiid got in this weird fake fight. And then after the game, Marcus Smart talked about how they're not taking any crap this year. It's like, well, okay, you kind of started a fake fight rolling around on the ground. But if you want to make it about toughness, fine. Like Celtics and Sixers. So back like they never left. Throughout this week, I've been keeping track of takes from other sports talkers, other shows. Listening to Over the Line yesterday morning and this morning with our friend Ebo on The Zone and on some of these other fine affiliates. Was listening a little bit to Bill Michaels this afternoon and some of the talking heads nationally like Cowher, Dan Patrick. And I've been hearing a lot of takes and opinions that we normally use on our teams except other sports talkers are applying these takes to other teams. And I've realized it's really funny 
when other teams have the issues that our teams have. It's really funny. And God, it's great to watch another team struggle at something that our team can't figure out. It's great to watch another team fail to try to do something that my team also cannot do. Oh, it's great. So therapeutic. So first take that I've been seeing, and this is a basketball take, but it relates to the Packers. We've been talking about our Packers offense the last two days, right? And how there's a disconnect between Rodgers and the floor, and it's just not quite synced up. It sucks when your team has two instrumental parties that aren't seeing eye to eye. Right? It stinks. It's like, well, Rodgers is really good, and I think LaFleur is really good, and they just can't mesh right now, and it's so frustrating. But it's really funny when it happens to another team. And I was watching it a little bit last night. Happened to the Sixers. And it's game one, so I'm not trying to overreact here. But the Sixers are going to have this issue because Tyrese Maxey is incredible. And I believe to be their second best player. He's certainly their second most valuable asset behind Embiid. I think he's better than Harden. He's certainly younger, cheaper, more valuable. His trajectory, I think, is taking him in a better place. Tyrese Maxey is awesome, and he plays really fast, right? He creates catch-and-shoot opportunities for the guys like P.J. Tucker and Georgie's Niang and all of these guys who are spacing out and looking to catch-and-shoot. So Maxey wants to play fast. Meanwhile, Harden and Embiid want to slow things down, slow everything down, survey the defense, pick it apart little by little. And it's very Rodgers and Lafleur, right? I think Lafleur wants guys flying around, wants there to be motion, wants to not complicate things, but wants to add elements to manipulate the defense and, and try to get a view of what the defense is doing. And I think Aaron Rodgers said, hey, let's chill out. I want to look at the defense because I know what I'm looking at. I want to watch a static defense, manipulate them with my snap count, try to get a read personally. I want to get a read on this. And that's the way I want to figure it out. And both strategies are good. I would argue that motion and not bells and whistles, but an active offense is better than a passive offense, especially when there's a, a, a dearth of talent like there is now. But there's certainly merits to both the way that Rodgers and Matt LaFleur want to play. There's certainly merits to how Harden and Embiid want to play. That's how they've been great their entire career. But I think if you want to win in the playoffs, you can't just slow down and play iso ball every possession. And that's what Embiid wants to do. That's what Harden wants to do. And it's really funny watching another team struggle with two coexisting identities. It's really entertaining because we deal with our Packers. I was having so much fun watching the Sixers struggle with it last night. Another take. This is something I heard on Cowherd's show. And it moved me last night to the point where I was trying to figure out if I could make a TikTok about it because I was cracking up. Talking about the Broncos, he had Mark Sanchez on, and the two of them got to conversating, got to talking about Russell Wilson and his lack of connection with his wide receivers. And I heard this. I said, oh, oh, I need to play this on the show. I heard this during the offseason. I had heard that Judy was really immature. And at some point... I saw a story last week that to get a hold of Russell Wilson, you have to talk to his manager. And I thought, oh, no, no, don't, no, 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 don't do that. But when I, here's what I see. Here's what my eyes tell me, Mark, that Russell and these receivers, they don't hang. It's not a relationship. Oh. Like, he does not, Woo. he does not trust those receivers. And oh, I don't have Lordy. the answer, but Mark. Oh, give it to me. There, there, there is nothing there. Oh, 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 oh yeah. It doesn't look like there's. <sighs> Any kind of feel, any kind of 
camaraderie, but oh, I don't know. No I'm not in the locker room. I don't, oh. you know, Thursday night. Camaraderie they go to, is a good word. But oh. I, I don't know if they go to dinner on Thursday night. Like, you try and hang with your guys, your O-line, whatever. Oh, no. Oh, I, I don't no. know what that situation is. No, not, Ru- no, not Russell Wilson's not getting to know his young wide receivers. There's no connection there. There's no, there's no chemistry. Oh, that must suck. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> Broncos fans, that, that must be terrible. Oh, poor Broncos fan. Oh, poor Russell Wilson. Man, just doesn't have chemistry with his wide receivers. That that's the worst. Hate that. Oh, it's great watching another team go through that. That's incredible. Another take that I noticed this week, and I, I, I more of an observation than a take here about the Philadelphia Eagles. And I texted Ben Kenny about this. Today. I said, "All right, Ben, I'm, I'm cooking up a take." Okay, and Ben's from Philly. Listens to Philly sports talk. He follows these teams. I said, "Ben, I'm I'm, I'm cooking up a take here." I I, I kind of want to buy some anti-Eagles property. Not that I don't think the Eagles are very good. I think offensive line, defensive line, fantastic. Maybe best secondary in the league. Tremendous wide receiving court. Like, incredible roster, incredible team, right? But I, I, I want to buy a little property on the anti-Eagles development just to have. I, I just want to plant my flag a little bit, right? Get in early in case something happens to the Eagles. Because remember... The Cardinals looked incredible. They were 6 or 7-0 and last year until the Packers beat them on Thursday Night Football. And then Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were never the same. So it seems like the Eagles are infallible. And I think they're an incredible team, a much better team than the Cardinals were last year. But you just never know how things could look differently in a month, right? So I just, I want a little anti-Eagles stock because it seems like it's a stock nobody's buying. And I think there's value there, okay? And I texted Ben. I said, "Eh, what do you think? And he said, oh, they talk about this in Philly all the time. And I said, oh, okay. So... The national space is not saying this about the Eagles, but the local space, the local sports talkers in Philly, this is what they're talking about. So I'm glad I'm I'm along the same lines of people who watch Philadelphia sports. The NFL tweeted out this graphic today. The Eagles have scored 112 points in the second quarter in 2020. That's the most by any team in any quarter through the first six games in NFL history. This is the only team to score this many points in a particular quarter through six games, which is wild. Right. My anti-Eagles angle, and this is stock that I just want. I want to buy a little bit. I feel like there might be a little Matt LaFleur in these Eagles. They might be a little bit LaFleurian in that when things are going well, things go really well. When it's humming and when they have momentum, it's great. But when the offense trips up, that's it. Shuts off. Done. Off the tracks. Not getting back on. Just a couple of examples. Week two, Eagles jump out to a 24-7 to lead over the Vikings at halftime, and then they didn't score at all in the second half. Week three, the Eagles scored 24 points in the second quarter, and that was it. They won the game 24-8 over the Commanders. That was that. The only points they scored. Week four, they fell behind 14 to nothing, then scored 20 in the second quarter, and then won the game 29-21, probably just because Trevor Lawrence fumbled five times, and they had one great quarter. Week five, 14 to 10 at halftime. And then they didn't score a touchdown in the second half. Then we saw the Cowboys climb back into it on Sunday Night Football last week. The Eagles roster is fantastic. I don't think there's a better roster in the NFL. Quarterback, we could, you know, who knows? Let's see how Jalen Hurts goes throughout the season. Let's see what he looks like in big moments when he obviously needs to pass. He's certainly better than last year. The Eagles roster is legit. I'm not questioning the roster. I'm questioning 
I guess I need to think of the perfect word. I get a whiff of Matt LaFleur and what we saw in 2019, 2020, what we're seeing this year. When things are going well, they're going really well. But if not, the offense can shut off. And once it shuts off, it's not turning back on. And that's an issue that Matt LaFleur and his offense has had for a couple of years. I feel like the Eagles might be cut from that same cloth. And I just, I want to get out in front of that. I just want to, I want to get that on paper. I want to buy that stock. Let's just see what the Eagles do over the next two months. Because, oh, it's great. They're scoring all these points in the second quarter. But that's also evidence that they only score in bunches. And when the sun isn't shining, they're not making hay. So I want to throw that out there. I want to get that out there. Plant my flag on that. Let's take a break. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are back at practice today. Yesterday, GM Brian Gutekunst claimed offensive tackle Luke Tenuta off waivers. Tenuta is out of Virginia Tech, six foot eight, 319 pounds, a sixth-round pick for the Bills last spring. He later spent some time with the Colts. Matt LaFleur says the Packers' offense had a number of drives where they should have scored points in their loss at home to the Jets. We had opportunities where we were in scoring position multiple times in that game. And when it came down to some of those critical downs or just some situations, we went backwards when we got into that field goal range area. The Packers travel to Washington to face the Commanders this Sunday at noon. Taylor Heineke will get to start a quarterback for the Commanders. That's because Carson Wentz is out with a broken ring finger. Head coach Ron Rivera. Uh, he did have surgery yesterday on, on uh, his right hand. He's uh, he's going to be in L.A. for a couple of days. He'll, he'll, he's been doing rehab already, and uh, we'll get a little bit more update by the end of this week as far as uh, he's concerned. Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with that thumb injury he suffered against the Giants in London. Rodgers asked on the McAfee show how much it bothered him against the Jets. Yeah, I was taping it early in the week just to give it a little support, and then Saturday in the walkthrough I didn't tape it uh, and wanted to go out and see how I felt Sunday in pregame before I decided to tape it or not and felt fine taking snaps from Josh and throwing the ball and was was doing pretty good. There was a hit early in the game where we were going to screen pass to the right, and we had some miscommunication on the backside, and I got hit, and the natural reaction when you get hit is kind of put your hands out, and that kind of banged it up a little bit. So, you know, it was, uh, I felt it, but it, it wasn't a major issue, and it's not going to be an issue. Uh, you know, I'm still going to play. Best Packers coverage. That's our guy, Mike Clemens. He'll be here at 5.30 tomorrow. I don't know if he's on the Bill Michaels huddle tonight or not, but I will be. Oh, I'll never miss a Wednesday night show. Never miss a Bill huddle or a, a Bill huddle. A Bill Huddle Michaels. I'll never miss a Bill Huddle Michaels. (laughs) I'll never miss Brett Lacrosse when he picks up the phone, that's for sure. 608-796-2558. What's up, Brett? What's up, Grant? How's it going? Not much. It's been a fun first hour of the show. Talk a little baseball, talk about a couple of other teams, and now we're kind of going to switch gears and talk about how the Packers stink right now. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a great time. I just wanted to call in and say I'm really looking forward. You know how we've been on this. Uh, It's going to be 42 to 10. Uh, roll. Well, one of these weeks. Yeah, so, yeah well, one of these so, weeks it's going to be 42 to 10. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just feeling 42. All right. I don't know about you in general, but I'm feeling I'm feeling 42. I'm, I'm just thinking if, if we ever score 42 in a game this season, uh, I'll feel pretty good about it. What would the odds be set at? Like, I don't know that I'd bet on the Packers to score 42 this season. It's great in theory. I want the Packers to just blow somebody out, just smack a team around, and I'm I'm getting worried that they just don't have that in them this year. Well, we got to play the Lions and the Bears. 
Yeah, the Bears, well, they already played the Bears once. The Lions are a team truly without a defense at all, so that should help, but. Yeah, but no, I I don't know. I mean, our our defense has done well enough to where if we could score 21, 24 points, we would be a completely different record. So. Yeah, the, the defense has not been otherworldly like we hoped, but they've been good to where an average offensive performance should be good enough to win every single week. Yeah, absolutely. But all right, well, that's all I needed. I'll let you go. I'm heading into parent-teacher conferences, mm. but I was like, I got to talk to my boy Grant on the way. That old boy, Brett, be involved in your children's education. That's important. Yeah, well, it's forced, so you got to oh. do it. <laughs> well, that's okay. All right. Have a good time, Brett. <laughs> all right, bye. Yeah, see you. That's Brett on the <laughs> It's forced. Where the heck do they force parent-teacher conference? That's a good thing. Like, parents... Parents, just a PSA, the, the teachers are grinding every day to connect with your child, to make sure they're getting the best possible education, that they're they're talking about this and that, they want to reach your kid. You need to, you need to be a part of that, okay? Parents, go to parent-teacher conferences. Be involved in your child's education. That's my public service announcement for the day. Go to parent-teacher conferences always. Email your, your, your kid's teachers every once in a while. Hey, how's my kid doing? Is there anything I can do to help? What can I be doing at home? Right, Involve yourself in the education of your child. School is not a daycare, right? It's it's an education center, and hey, parents got to be involved in that. So that's my uh, that's my PSA for the day. Brett goes, well, it's forced. So, <laughs> well, still counts. That a boy, Brett, being a good dad. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 42. I like that prediction. Packers hang 42 on the commanders this weekend? Probably not. Pigs will probably fly before that happens. Let's get into the Packers. Talk about our three and three team coming up next. Oh, we got two songs going. Whatever. Simple. Simplify some things. It was very simple things. Very simple plays. Then we need to simplify things. Rain it in a little bit. Let's just simplify some things. The simplest plays are the best plays. Reel it back in a little bit and simplify some things. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Love that call from Brett Lacrosse. Love this text from Vinny, who says, Sounds like today you just want to take a day off from complaining about the pack. Dot, dot, dot. Well, kind of, yeah. When I sat down today to get ready for the show, I said, okay, we've done four straight hours of basically just bitching about the Packers this week. And they're three and three, and they deserve it, right? We're not overreacting. This team isn't good right now. But let's just shake it up. NBA started last night. Talk about that for a couple of minutes. Major League Baseball playoffs are going on. Talk about that. Naturally relate both the Padres and the Phillies to the Brewers and how the Brewers did a miserable, terrible job this year. Laugh. Talked about a couple of other NFL teams, including the Eagles, including the Broncos. A little bit about the Sixers and how Embiid and Harden are trying to play one way. Tyrese Maxey and others are trying to play another. Reminds me of Rodgers and LaFleur. Yeah, I just wanted to mix it up a little bit for the first hour of the show. Now we're going to get into the Packers. I have an A.J. Dillon thing that I want to talk about in a little bit. Uh, and, and I want to talk about the soundbite that we have from Aaron Rodgers. Shout out to our guy, Cone Roller, who tweeted at me. And Rodgers says, I like the West Coast offense. I like this, that, and the other thing. And the more I think about this soundbite, and I'll play it for you here in a few minutes, it seems like the Packers have, have really misunderstood their quarterback over the years. And maybe we should 
blame the Packers a little bit for that. I know it's very in vogue to complain about Rodgers right now, and I'm not saying it's without good reason. Like, Rodgers has kind of annoyed the hell out of us the last couple of years, and it's come up short in big moments. So it's not like Rodgers isn't valuable here too, but I'm listening to Aaron Rodgers talk about the offense that he likes to run, and I'm like, wait, if this has been true always, why did the Packers do some of the things that they did? I don't know. So we'll talk about that in a few as well. First, let's talk to Mike in Eau Claire, our guy, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Mike? Hey, Grant. How you doing? I'm doing I just, awesome. I've got a couple points. Yeah. I, I started right away. i got a couple points. I think the first thing I want to say is I've been listening to sports radio, all the talking heads, mm-hmm. and everybody's talking about how at week six of the season, all these teams look so disheveled, just look so lost. And mm-hmm. just a, it's not a good brand of football. And and I think a lot of it's got to do with the new preseason. If you remember how preseason used to go, I'm an old guy, you know, mm-hmm. and they would play the first game with just like backups. And the second game, you'd see some of the starters. The third game, you'd see like the starters the whole first half. And then the fourth game, you'd see the people really trying to get spots and some of the people fighting for spots. And then by the first week of the season, the starters are kind of ready to play together better than they are now. It's almost like by week four until we get an idea of what our football team is like. You know, so I think yeah. that's got a lot to do with what's going on with the season so far. I think the preseason is is a big factor. It's also week seven, and I'm looking at the week six slate here. The 49ers lost to the Falcons. The Browns got blown out by the Patriots. The Packers got smoked by the Jets. The Colts beat the Jags. That's not totally surprising, but there, there are a lot of surprising results in here. The Ravens lost to the Giants. Some of these games are so weird, and there's so much bad football that it's it's got to be something greater than just the preseason. I, I don't know if it's, you know, defenses are playing a certain way. I think that's part of it, Mike, too, is these defenses are playing too high or they're playing quarters, and they're forcing teams to dink and dunk and run the football, you know, four or five yards at a time, and a lot of these teams are really struggling to do that. Yeah, it seems like defenses are so on these days. Mm-hmm. These defenses are playing so sharp. Yeah. It's amazing to see the defensive games. I, I really like defensive games, but I like them when the Packers win. <laughs> it's your year, the then. Yeah. Thing I if you like defensive games, then this is your year, Mike. You're having a great season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, if you think about the Packers for the last, let's say, nine, since we won the Super Bowl, we've been a per- perennial power. We've been either the, we went 15-1 and one the year after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We've been the head of the North most of those years. Not all of them, but most. We've been in the playoffs. Just I don't I maybe wonder if we didn't make it, but every year lately we've been going in as a top seed or the second seed, home games, bye weeks and stuff, and then we just get our bucks handed to us. And I think it might be almost a new idea or a new scheme to maybe kind of limp in as a playoff team or as a uh, as a uh, wild card team. Yeah, I'd hate to let the Vikings win in the North, but. If we would go in as a wildcard team like we did in 2010 and take some people by surprise, I don't think that would hurt us. And Maybe I'm an, an endless Packer optimist, but I'm hoping that's what's going on here. I'm not worried. I'm not going to uh, you know, jump off the Packer bandwagon ever. Yeah. You know, I lived through the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s as a Packer <laughs> fan. You know, I mean, yeah. if you can live through that, you can go through a lot of stuff. And we've just been so lucky and spoiled. They've been so relevant with Wisconsin sports, with the Bucks, winning the, the NBA championship, oh. with the Brewers being relevant, with the uh, the Badgers football team being. We were what, a couple of years ago. We were in, at, towards the end of the season. We were in the, the final four mm-hmm. before they got beat by somebody. But I mean, it's been such a great run in Wisconsin sports. I'm so happy. 
and it's faded a little bit this year, and it scares me. I hope it comes back because it's been wonderful. Yeah, it, I mean, we got to count our blessings for sure. We've had a lot of really good, really relevant right. teams to talk about. I don't think you're wrong to be optimistic, Mike, and maybe I'll talk about that for a couple of minutes, but I appreciate the call. It was nice to hear from you. All right. Thank you, Grant. Have yeah. a great day. Thank you. Have a good rest of your night. That's our friend Mike in Eau Claire. I don't think it's bad to be optimistic about that. Look, that's what sports fandom is, right? I don't know if we talked about this on Monday. Did we talk about this last week? We talked about this at some point where I said sports fandom is just convincing yourself of things, right? All offseason, Devontae Adams gets traded. All offseason, we're, we're saying, this is a blessing in disguise. I know he's like the best wide receiver in the world, and him and Rodgers have this unstoppable chemistry, and he catches like 80% of our passes. But you know what? Uh, uh, blessing in disguise. Right? Because that's that's how sports fandom works. You just convince yourself of things. And Mike, I don't think you're wrong in that things have gotten a little stale with the Packers. And maybe this is good. If assuming they can get it figured out and play better, right? Maybe it's good for them to take a step out of the limelight a little bit, right? They need to work for it. They need to prove themselves, right? They're being doubted a little bit. That's good. The Packers haven't really been doubted, at least in week seven. For the last couple of years. So maybe it's good. Maybe maybe the team needs this. They need to gain a little edge. They need to get nasty. They need to fight to prove themselves in a way that they haven't the last couple of years. Mike, I don't think you're wrong. The caveat to that would be the other side of that coin is the Packers just stink, right? Like if they're not very good, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, sneaking in as a wild card or doing their, you know, trying to gain their respect. If they're not very good, they're not very good. And then the season just never gets off the ground, right? Let's talk to Ed and McGuanago really, really quickly. Or not really quickly. What am I saying, Ed? I'm not trying to rush you out already. What's going on? Welcome to the show. (laughs) That's my bad. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I I almost called after week one when we lost to the Vikings because Mm -hmm. I thought I had a decent take about our current quarterback and our former quarterback. But then our former quarterback had to go and pull an off-hard. Come on, man. And that whole scandal came out. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to shelve this one. <laughs> Stash this. So yeah. what I was thinking is, <laughs> yeah, after the Vikings loss, I'm listening to Rogers, you know, post game, And he's just up there like, oh, yeah, shucks. What are you going to do? Is what it is. Like, paraphrasing him, but that's kind of what he said, right? Like, yeah. Can't fall. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Favre would get up there after loss. And you, he'd have this look in his eyes like a wild animal, mm-hmm. you know. He hated losing. And I remember after, specifically after, I think it was the Giants, we lost to the Giants in the playoffs. He's up there on the verge of tears, you know, giving this press conference. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I don't remember what the reporter asked him, but he goes, you know, with this wild look in his eyes, like, I'm ready to get something going offensively. You know, and I just like I yeah. started laughing, and I was I was hurt and I was sad because we lost that game and I couldn't believe it. But I was like, "That's our quarterback. Yeah. He he is pissed off right now. He wants to play. You think he had a game tomorrow or next week? And he's got to wait eight months. Yeah. But he was so so ready to get out there and play again after a loss. It was the worst thing to him. Yeah, so and I'm I, just like I was listening to yeah, Rogers on on Sunday and he said or was it on it might have been on McAfee yesterday and he just said oh we had a dud on Sunday not much you can take away from that and I said well you know what I'll take away from that is this team has lots of duds because you had one week one you had one in the first half against the Patriots right like 
that can't be nothing. That's that's what it is with this team is they're just prone to laying duds more more often than teams should. Yeah, you know, just just too happy, too happy with you know. I'm gonna move on with my life and karma and all this good stuff. It's probably more healthy that way, but I don't know if it. I don't know if it's good for well, winning. Like Brady would be furious, right? And good for Rogers that he can take yeah. a deep breath and move on. I'm happy for him. But from a quarterback perspective, my guy, I want you going to bed pissed off. Yeah, and and I think we all pay respect how smart Rogers is, and mm-hmm. over the years, you know, oh, he gives these. Oh, did we lose? Too you? worked up one way or the other, and that that can be a benefit. That's a good thing, you know, being able to regulate your emotions after a loss or a win. Yeah, but man, you know, you you like a little life out of them once in a while. But get the shock battles out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. The, yeah, the competitiveness. I mean, maybe it was part of Favre's golf at times, but you you didn't ever question why Favre was on the field. He was out there to play. He wanted to win. He wanted to kick butt. He's ultra competitive. And you don't necessarily get this out there. Wants to, you know, get the best quarterback rating or yeah, I, I know what you mean, and I and I'm gonna let you go, Ed. You have an awesome night, and I appreciate the call. It's yeah. been too long. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's our friend uh, Ed over in McGuanago. I said this at the end of last year. I said I I bet that Aaron Rodgers, if you asked him, still would consider the 2020 season a huge success. Right? What an MVP helped modernize the front office. Now they communicate with players better, did this, that, the other thing, right? Whereas I think a player like Favre or Brady or lots of other guys would wrap up last season and they'd be furious. They'd be pissed off. And I really respect Roger's ability to really keep a calm and level head, right? Like after a loss, I think he's very good at flushing it and saying, we laid a dud, laid an egg, had a dud, whatever the expression is. Not much you can take away from this game and to move on. And that's healthy, right? But I, I think some of these quarterbacks, some of these great professional athletes, they're not healthy. They're obsessed. And I don't think, well, I shouldn't say that Rodgers isn't obsessed. I saw his quote from his presser today where he's like, it's the first thing I think about when I wake up. It's the last thing I think about when I go to bed. I dream about playing football. It, it just presents differently with Rodgers. He's just a different guy than Favre or Brady or, or a lot of these other quarterbacks that sometimes we compare Rodgers to. I don't know. Some good comments from Ed about the mentality of the quarterback. Let's talk before we take this break to Matt in Cross Plains, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Matt? Hey, Grant. How's it going today? Outstanding. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. I got, uh, you know, three sayings for you from, you know, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Well, we have relax. We had run the table. And now we have simplify. Yeah. So I assume that, uh, you know, we're going to win like the next four games in a row now because, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's a smarter than everybody else, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think he is. I, I, and, just, I don't know if that's yeah. always a good thing. Although, although I think the words I said when watching the third quarter last week, I said, this is the worst I've ever seen the offense play since like uh, Seneca Wallace was uh, our quarterback or even Brent Hunley. You know, it looks so we, bad. We, we look terrible. It yeah, looks really bad. I'm not sure what to do about it, though. We we try to blame Joe Barry, but like if we can't score any points either, uh, it's going to be a, a long season. Yeah, it's just not synced up. And yesterday, I was talking with a couple callers who were talking about they should try to trade for this guy or this guy, and 
until Rodgers and Lafleur can, I, th- I think, sit down and figure out what's working, what's not working, tweak the offense, boil down the offense, make it better. I, I don't really know if it matters who's playing wide receiver. There's just the structure, the foundation, the bones of the offense aren't good right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Ed, Ed made a good point, too. With uh, He always seemed like he wanted to win, and Rodgers has got to back that up a little more, I think. And, you know, he he's making enough money to, to uh, you know, take a pay cut and get himself some more weapons, hopefully. And I don't know what we're going to do at the trade deadline, but something's got something's to change for sure. Maybe use Bob Tunyon more. I keep saying that. but uh, Well, now Tunyon, like, Tunyon looked really good, and – at least Tunyon's going to be in the right spot and he's going to catch the ball, right? When you're talking about Romeo Dobbs or Mario Rogers or Juwan Winfrey, less experience. Uh, I just think less trustworthy. And I don't mean that in a personal way. They just haven't played as much football. Tunyon and Rogers had something really good before Tunyon got hurt. And I don't think Rogers needs the biggest, strongest, fastest wide receivers. He doesn't need one of one athletes. He just needs guys that are going to run the route that he thinks they're going to run and be in the right spot at the right time and catch the ball when it gets there. And Tunyon can do that. Yeah, well, I'm hoping, you know, the warm weather this weekend brings back some sanity to uh, Wisconsin football teams and uh, we get a couple of victories and uh, we can be talking about some good stuff next week. I'm hoping so, too. Thanks for the call, Matt. Have a good night. <laughs> That's our guy, Matt in Cross Plains, listening on our Madison affiliate, The Zone. 608-796-2558. Stick a break. Come back. I want to talk about one more Aaron Rodgers thing and then I have an A.J. Dillon thing that I've wanted to get to all week and really haven't been able to figure out how well justice Mosqueda put out a really good piece about aj dylan and have some some facts and some statistics and i think that's the perfect way so we'll talk about that for slow news wednesday at 5 30 as well wisco sports show back in three minutes this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network show my name is grant bills hope you're having an outstanding night a couple great calls ed mcguanago mike and eau claire we talked to brent and lacrosse matt in cross plains you can text and call the show 608-796-2558 and you can find me on twitter at wisco grant sorry if i'm repeating myself looking at some wisconsin badgers news not great Put out a statement that private photos and locker room videos of athletes were shared. Uh, that's not good. I wonder why they put a statement out about it. I saw Bill Michaels retweet it, which is how I saw it. I guess it has to do with the volleyball team. Why put out a statement? Now more people are just going to know about it and go, you know, look for the whatever. Whatever. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Packers, but... Uh, Bill Michaels retweeted the statement if you want to go know what I'm talking about. I feel like I probably shouldn't have brought it up. Whoops. Forget it. Forget I said it. We're talking about the Packers. There's this one clip of Aaron Rodgers that Cone Roller tweeted at me the other day. And I think it's really awesome and it's really instructive about what Aaron Rodgers likes in his offense and what he doesn't. And I think we've assumed Aaron Rodgers' preferences for a while, but we've never heard him really talk about them as clearly as this, at least not that I remember, at least not that's available to us. Maybe if you asked a Packer beat member, a beat reporter, they'd be able to tell you. But this is Aaron Rodgers on Pardon My Take before the season talking about Matt LaFleur's offense. I I tell Matt all the time, this scheme has flaws. 
I, I think this scheme uh, is way different. I, I grew up in the West Coast offense. The West Coast offense, I think, is the most beautiful offense ever created. It's very, it's about timing and rhythm and balance, and everything makes sense protection-wise. You know where your hots are. You know where your eyes are going every single time. You know how the concepts fit together. This is a schematic offense. That was not a schematic offense. That was built on timing and precision and rhythm and guys being in the right spot at the right time and putting the ball in the proper number. And, it, you know, started with Bill Walsh and Montana and, and uh, Paul Hackett and on down to the iteration that we got to, and I loved it. In that offense, though, it's not predicated on off- uh, on motion. It's predicated on uh, winning one-on-one matchups and then being accurate throwing the football. Safe to assume Rodgers has always felt this way? Right, this isn't new. He's thought this way, and and that's the offense he's liked for his whole career, correct? I think that's a safe assumption, right? Here's my question. If Aaron Rodgers has always felt this way, and evidence shows that he plays best in offenses like this, that was 2011, that was 2014. If Aaron Rodgers has always felt this way, why did the Packers front office allow the Packers wide receiving core to fall off so greatly, so drastically after 2015 and 2016. I get that Jordy Nelson got hurt, and I get that Devontae Adams took time to develop, but if you look at the receiving groups from 2009, 2010, right up until 2013, and really it started when Jermichael Finley got hurt and then Greg Jennings left and James Jones, like these guys got old and the Packers never really looked to replace them. And I get that Rodgers got paid, So the Packers couldn't retain all of their best guys. They couldn't pay to keep Jennings and pay to keep this guy and that guy, and they couldn't go out and sign a high-priced free agent wide receiver. I get it. There's certain economic constraints that existed once Aaron Rodgers got paid that didn't exist previously, okay? I I get it. But the Packers are the franchise that's known best for not drafting weapons high in the draft. The high rounds of the NFL draft are where you can get wide receivers that are cheap and that can historically play sooner rather than later and can contribute at a high level. So if Rodgers has always felt this way, I like the West Coast offense, I play best when I have time to sit back, dissect, see what's going on, those guys get open, and then I hit them on the number. And Rodgers did it for years. He's really good at it. And I thought that towards the end under McCarthy, the scheme got stale. I don't think the scheme ever changed. I don't think the scheme ever changed. Now, the league around Mike McCarthy changed, but I don't think it's like Mike McCarthy fell off. I don't think he turned into a bad coach. I think the offense that Mike McCarthy ran for years was no longer succeeding at a high level because they didn't have the guys on the outside to win one-on-ones. We know this to be true. I'm not telling you anything new. What I'm asking is why did the Packers front office allow it to get to that point? If they're going to run Mike McCarthy, who runs the West Coast offense, and they're going to use Aaron Rodgers, who is saying here, this is the offense that I run. I think this is the best offense. This is what works best. The Packers just stopped investing in wide receiver. They took Devontae Adams in 2014 in the second round, and then it was nothing but threes and fives and six-round picks and seventh-round picks. And I just, I I don't know. I don't know. If Rodgers has always felt this way, and I think it's only fair to assume that he has felt this way, then why did the Packers neglect wide receiver like they did from 2014? Well, Really until this last draft, when they actually went and got Christian Watson and then took Romeo Dobbs. And still, that's really only a step in the right direction of addressing wide receiver. It's not like they're using first-round picks or third-round. I mean, they used a second and a fourth, right? This seems like an organizational fumbling of the bag. 
they didn't build a team for Rodgers. And you might say, well, they were trying to build a defense for Rodgers. Yeah, and that didn't work out so well, did it? <laughs> it didn't work out well. Brian Gutekinds is spending first-round picks on the defense. Can someone tell Brian Gutekinds that he's got to pick the good players in the first round? <laughs> and not any first-rounder will do. Like, Darnell Savage just, I don't think, is it. Right? And we'll see with Quay Walker and Wyatt, obviously. It's very early. Randall, Rollins. I know those weren't Gutekinds guys. Those were Thompson guys. Stokes is regressing in year two. That's not shocking. But the Packers spent half a decade trying to build a defense when maybe it just would have been better to just load up on good wide receivers. Teams can do it. The Eagles have done it. They've shown. The Eagles are doing it right now. And I get A.J. Brown is expensive, but make trades. Keep drafting, guys. Draft Jalen Rieger, miss. Draft J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, miss. Okay, we're still going to take Devontae Smith. Then we're going to trade for A.J. Brown. Then we're going to draft Dallas Goddard high. Invest, 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 invest. Right? The Bengals are investing in weapons and in wide receivers. The Packers have never really shown that they want to invest in them. Okay? They think, probably, that Aaron Rodgers is making a lot of money and that he should carry the offense. Okay, that's fine, but Aaron Rodgers runs an offense that requires guys that can get open one-on-one, and they really have never given him those guys other than Devontae Adams. They were trying to build him a defense, I guess, but that just went so poorly. (laughs) You know what I mean? They were never able to build a great defense. They always had a great offensive line, which I'll praise the Packers for. But And I guess for a couple of minutes here, we're looking at Aaron Rodgers' career big picture from 10,000 feet. I understand they're 3-3 three and three right now, and there's an actual season going on. But in trying to figure out this season, maybe I've learned a little bit more. Maybe I've educated myself on what Aaron Rodgers likes. And it just seems over the last 10 years that the Packers really didn't try that hard to give Aaron Rodgers what he likes. Dan in Broadhead says, I texted this Monday. I think Rodgers' thumb is messed up and he can't grip the ball and throw accurate. They need to cut bait on Bakhtiari. You paid a ton for a lame. Why would they cut bait on Bakhtiari? They're not going to save any money cutting bait on him. There's no reason for them to cut bait on Bakhtiari. None. Now, maybe his thumb is messed up. I also think that if his thumb was messed up, Aaron Rodgers would say that it's messed up. Aaron Rodgers does not seem like the type to have an injury that's hampering his play and then not say that he has an injury hampering his play. You know what I mean? Aaron Rodgers had plenty of opportunities to casually say in press conferences, yeah, thumb hurts, I'm, I'm struggling this and that. Maybe he doesn't want to give away a competitive advantage. I, I don't know. He also made some really good throws on Sunday. The throw down the boundary to Lazard on the left side over the corner and before the safety came over. That was a dot. That was a really good throw. So I, I just, I don't know. Until Rogers says that the thumb is hampering him, I'm, I'm not going to think that it's that bad. Does that make sense, Dan? I appreciate the text. You can also find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant, 608-796-2558. I want to talk about A.J. Dillon in a couple of minutes when we come back for Slow News Wednesday. Monday, I wanted to talk about A.J. Dillon. We didn't really have time. Yesterday, I wanted to do it again. We didn't really have time. Justice Mosqueda put out a piece yesterday. I read it this morning about A.J. Dillon, Acme Packing Company, SB Nation. Some numbers, some harsh realities about how A.J. Dillon is playing and how the Packers are using him. They need more from A.J. Dillon. I've been very disappointed with A.J. Dillon. And we're going to talk about that coming up next. He's a huge piece of this offense. He needs to be better. The Packers have to be more intentional about the ways in which they're using him. So let's talk about that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And I tell Matt all the time, this scheme has flaws. I, I think this scheme... Uh, 
is way different. I, I grew up in the West Coast offense. The West Coast offense, I think, is the most beautiful offense ever created. It's very, it's about timing and rhythm and balance, and everything makes sense protection-wise. You know where your hots are. You know where your eyes are going every single time. You know how the concepts fit together. This is a schematic offense. That was not a schematic offense. That was built on timing and precision and rhythm and guys being in the right spot at the right time and putting the ball in the proper number. And, you know, started with Bill Walsh and Montana and, and uh, Paul Hackett and on down to the iteration that we got to, and I loved it. In that offense, though, it's not predicated on off- on motion. It's predicated on uh, winning one-on-one matchups and then being accurate throwing the football. That's our guy Aaron Rodgers talking about his preferred offensive scheme. I think LaFleur's scheme is good. I think the West Coast scheme that they ran with McCarthy forever is good, too. I think all schemes can be good. You need the correct personnel and you need to execute correctly. I'm just confused that if Rodgers has always felt this way, and I talked to Mike Clemens yesterday and even back with McCarthy, they talked about this, right? This is the way that Rodgers always used to like to play. McCarthy maybe wanted to do different things. Maybe McCarthy wanted to advance the offense and add new things in and, and Rodgers actually didn't want to, right? Maybe that's how the end came from McCarthy. It wasn't McCarthy holding things back. It was Rodgers. He wanted to keep running this offense, even though it wasn't working. I'm just confused. If this is what Rodgers wants to do, and this is the offense that works best for him, why did they just stop drafting wide receivers once they got Devontae Adams? They never really made an attempt to get a number two. And you could tell me, well, they drafted D'Angelo Yancey. Shut up. Like those didn't count. I'm talking about first round picks, second round picks, even third round picks. Like they didn't spend third round picks on wide receivers. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Whatever. Not what we're talking about. I want to talk about AJ Dillon. All week I've wanted to do a segment on AJ Dillon and how I'm mad at him. Eh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in AJ Dillon and what the Packers have gotten from him this year or haven't gotten from him this year. I guess if we want to be more specific. I don't I don't get it. And I've been thinking a lot about the 2020 offseason, right? When they let Jamal Williams go, and then they used a second-round pick on A.J. Dillon. And, you know, we might remember, well, they couldn't pay Jamal Williams. Well, Jamal Williams got paid, I think, two years. Was it two years, six million? I think it was two years, six million. He's making three million bucks a year. That's not very much for a guy that you trust for a guy that's always healthy, for a guy that doesn't fumble, for a guy who's great in pass pro, for a guy who can catch everything. It's not like Jamal Williams went somewhere and got a huge deal. I think the deal that the Lions gave him was a very reasonable deal that the Packers probably could have given him as well. And instead, they let him go, and they spent a second-round pick on A.J. Dillon. Oh, a big road-grading back, going to be great in the cold, going to be great late in the season, going to be great in the fourth quarter. I'm not even going to get into the stats yet. We'll do that in a few minutes. You tell me, when was the last time you watched A.J. Dillon do something that impressed you? Right? What, what, when was the last time A.J. Dillon, wow, look at that. I'm not talking about falling forward for two or three yards, which is basically all he's been doing. A.J. Dillon just has looked kind of crummy. He doesn't look dynamic, doesn't look big, strong, fast. He doesn't look good at all. When was the last time that A.J. Dillon actually made a play that amazed you, wowed you? Aaron Jones does every week. Jamal Williams does when I watch him. Justice Muscato put out a piece, Acme Packing Company. He's a great Packers Twitter follow. 
he's good on podcasts too. He makes the rounds. I think I heard him on with Bukowski a couple of weeks ago and I was listening to them. That was back before Oktoberfest, I remember. So that would have been uh, about a month ago. Good episode. And he makes the rounds. His content's really good. And he put out a piece called The Packers personnel tendencies might be hurting A.J. Dillon, comma, offense. Dillon is averaging two fewer yards per carry than Aaron Jones. Why? It's a very short article. I pulled some of, I think, the most important stats, the most important parts, and we can talk about it. It's Slow News Wednesday. This is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you, Zach Heilprin. Do you hear Kenny and Heilprin last night, by the way? Awesome show. I always look forward to listening once I'm done on Tuesdays. And they're live on Thursdays at Monks in Sun Prairie. So if you're in around the Madison area, even if you live an hour away, make the drive. Go say hi. Tell them you love the show. Get a meal. Get a beer. Talk Badgers. I wish I lived closer. I'd make it. Hell, I'd drive. I'd drive if I wasn't on air until 6. So thank you, Zach, for setting up the segment. I almost forgot what we were doing here. <laughs> so sometimes on Wednesdays, we do this thing called Slow News Wednesday where I talk about an article, an interview, a podcast, something. Right? And I suggest that you go read this piece by... Justice Mosqueda. It came out yesterday. A.J. Dillon is averaging two fewer yards per carry than Aaron Jones. Why? And they go on to explain all the, or I guess Justice goes on to explain all of these different things and all the details. Right? Aaron Jones this season, so far, has 409 rushing yards on 70 carries. That's 5.8 yards per carry. That's not really the best stat in the world, but just to kind of paint a picture. Just over 400 rushing yards, 70 carries, Almost six yards a carry. A.J. Dillon has 286 yards on 73 rushing attempts and is averaging less than four yards per carry. He's at 3.9. So A.J. Dillon has three more carries, uh, 180 yards less or so, and he's averaging almost two yards less per carry. A.J. Dillon has not been good. Two really good bits of pro football focused data in this piece. And there's two graphs and it's a distribution plot, right? So you're seeing how the, all of the individual runs are grouped. Like are the dots spread out? Are the dots trending in one direction? Are they clumped together? And the visual that I'm not going to explain is very clear that Aaron Jones has a much better distribution of outcomes than AJ Dillon. And I'm going to read for you uh, the explanation of both of these graphs that you should go look at quote, Per Pro Football Focus's data, Jones is playing like one of the best ball carriers in the league, while Dylan is playing well below average. In terms of yards above expectation, which accounts for fronts, run type, and quality of blocks made, Jones only ranks behind Rashad Penny, Travis Etienne, Khalil Herbert, and Josh Jacobs in 2022. Meanwhile, Dylan only ranks above Najee Harris, Leonard Fournette, and the recently benched Antonio Gibson and Dalvin Cook, according to Pro Football Focus metrics. So I really like this metric. It's called yards above expectation, meaning if everything is blocked well, if you're going behind a good offensive lineman and you have a good route, right, you should get a, a rush of X number of yards, right? How many yards are is the running back adding on to that, right? So if you have a replacement level running back, pro football focus will look at the, the play and say, okay, a running back on average should pick up three yards, based on the combination of blocks, the defense he's going against, how well the blocks are executed, the, the running back, the replacement level running back should average three yards. So Aaron Jones, his yards above expectation is great, meaning Aaron Jones is consistently play-by-play 
outrushing what is expected out of a play, meaning if there's a poor block, Aaron Jones is still getting some yardage, right? Aaron Jones, if everything is blocked well, is turning it into a big play. He's exceeding the expected outcome for a certain play based on how it's blocked, the defense it's going against, all this stuff. Where A.J. Dillon is much, much, much below average. He's with Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, by the way, has sucked in this metric for two years. Antonio Gibson is not good in terms of yards over expected. He's not doing more with less. He's doing less with more, as is A.J. Dillon, right? And if you've watched Najee Harris this year, he just doesn't look good. Leonard Fournette, his stats were really blown into the sun last week because they just kept running into a wall against Pittsburgh and getting nowhere. Here's the closing words from Justice Mosqueda. The Packers have two options. They either need to break their run pass tendencies with the personnel packages they put on the field, or they need to lean on Jones, who's playing very well, but has never been the full-time bell cow moving forward. If that's what if that's what defenses are begging you to do, at some point you have to take what the defense gives you. I don't completely and totally agree with the end, but I agree with him that they need to do something differently. Their pony package, meaning two running backs in the backfield, it's only seen seven snaps the last two weeks. It's not working. It's been really, really poor. So the Packers over the last two weeks have started running their offense through Dylan or through Jones. They're both getting a ton of carries, and Aaron Jones has been so much better. Despite being older, A.J. Dillon should be coming into his prime. I don't know what his deal is. Josh and Eau Claire chiming in on the last time A.J. Dillon impressed him. The Tennessee game in the snow. Great! That was... Two, year, two years ago now. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? A.J. Dillon is supposed to be this physical runner that really excels in the snow, really excels in short yardage, really excels late in games. My problem with that, even if he is excelling in all those areas, is that like those are specialty situations, right? You spend a second round pick on a guy specifically for snow games, specifically for short yardage situations, so you basically have a fullback that you spend premium draft capital on the thing is, he's not great late in games. He's not great in short yardage, and it never snows. And when it did against the Niners last year, I don't remember A.J. Dillon setting the world on fire in the division around. 608-796-2558, a late call for our guy, David Monona. Dave, what gives? What's up? I'm just here cooking a big old pot of man's meal, spaghetti, meatballs. Ooh, that sounds good. Hell yeah. That's actually, that's actually my specialty. And by the way, Hector, never did get no recipe from Hector and lacrosse. I think the guy's a phony. That's on, I mean, that's on me. He sent me the recipe, and I didn't pass it along. Oh, you keep telling uh, you kind of defending him like Matt LaFlunk defends Aaron Rodgers. Well, but, well, I anyway, got to stand up people, for my guys. I am the coach of this team here. I'm, I am the leader. I do have to stand well, up for my guys. Then you should be fired and spanked, too, like, like, like Matt LaFlunk. <laughs> Matt LaFlunk. But hey, guys, Aaron, Rod- I mean, uh, Aaron Jones is not the answer. We don't need to run Jones. You know why? It's like Allen with the Badgers. Teams are playing eight men in the box. Running running Jones and Dillard isn't going to do a damn big. I don't care if you got five all-pro offensive linemen. When you got eight men in the box with five blockers, the team's only going to change until they tweak their receivings and the routes they're running. I would love that. This is going to, this is going to drive Evo nuts. I would love to see Green Bay, a version of the, uh, the Wildcat with Jones. Can you imagine the Wildcat with Jones with Watson, misdirection, and Aaron Rodgers off to the right. A different type of things you could do against an eight-man-in-the-box, but, you know, they never will. But, no, Jones is not the answer because it ain't going to work. I'm giving you the statistics. I'm giving you the stats that say it has worked really well with Jones. It's not working with Dylan. 
Not against an eight-man. The last three games were since New England. New England started playing one-on-one and eight-man of the box. Last three games, shows the running game's ineffective because you can't block seven, eight people with five blockers. And then when Rodgers drops back, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not enough blockers. So if the receivers can't get open one-on-one. Here's my question. How do we get some use out of A.J. Dillon? Because this guy was a second-round pick in a really crucial draft. we got to get something out of this guy. Yeah, what do we do? I would, love to, yeah, I would love to see Dillon be the starting back and move Aaron Jones as a flanker or as a, as a wide receiver. That's sure. what I'd like to see. You, you, you know, instead of using that, was it a Gower or a Guire or a guy? DeGuara, yeah. Yeah, Gower. I would see him, you know, take a hike and go back to Cincinnati. I'd love to see Aaron Jones out there where you can put him against a linebacker, one-on-one coverage. Because then you got then you got to respect, you know, the big train up the middle. Then you got to respect Jones. And then if you throw, you know, throw Dobbs and Watson in there, now you spread now you spread the offense. Now you're talking, you know, more diversity offense. You don't got to simplify it. I love when I hear simplified. That's, that's another word in the business world saying, I got a bunch of idiots that I'm throwing to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, Rodgers, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to be on the on the locker room and just somebody just needs to beat the hell out of Rodgers. The best you can have oh. for Packer fans is Rodgers gets hurt and we start the love connection and then we're going to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm down for A.J. Dillon more as a wide receiver. I just... <sighs> No, Jones, Jones, oh, oh, Jones, 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 excuse me. I'm down for more Aaron Jones, but they don't throw him the ball. I, I don't, I guess I don't care about exactly. Jones. They just need to use him more. And they would be, because then if you got him out wide and in motion, the linebackers can't crawl the line because, oh, what am I going to do? Either I guard Jones or I recover Jones, touchdown, or we take away the big freight train. Meanwhile, you got Watson and, you know, you know, do, doing um, misdirection. I mean, I, 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 I hate to do all the Matt LaFlunk's work, but. It's not going to work, guys. The current offense, as is, as of today, I don't think they win three more games. They're, they're going to win probably, well, I'll oh. say Sunday. They're oh. going to get killed by Buffalo, Philadelphia, Dallas. And they're not going to be able to outscore Detroit. you got Minnesota. It's bye-bye, Rodgers. And thank God, then we can bring in, um, bring in my man, Love, and win a few more games. Hey, at least he's going to run the ball third and two. Rodgers. Tom Brady had no problem at 39. He was going to his, what is, what is his eighth Super Bowl. Stop talking and more action. And kind, kind of like you, I can imagine. Let's talk more act, you know? Well, it's my job to talk. You can't fault me for this. I have to talk for two hours every day. I have to be somewhat good at talking, don't I? Can you imagine if, we, if your show was four hours? Uh, you, of course, you really put us to sleep, but, you know, two hours is pretty good. Yeah, I'm good with two hours for now. If I had four hours, we got to go. I keep telling you, we got to go on a tour, man. We got to go on the uh, short pants and short pants and wizard tour. Take our show on the road. I'll be I'll be I'll be the dog. You be the pony. Short, short pants and the wizard. That's actually not a bad band name. I am. Uh, I'm gonna let you go, wizard. All right, buddy. Yeah, have a good one. That's Dave and Monona. Um, I, I mean, I I don't agree with the idea that Dylan needs to be the starting running back, but I guess I kind of agree if it means that Jones gets more time. We need more Jones. We need more Aaron Jones. If he gets more touches. But is the second string running back? I don't care. It's cosmetics. But A.J. Dillon just stinks right now, which I don't think Dave is really grasping. Let's take a break, get an update from Mike Clemens, and we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are installing their game plan for the Washington Commanders. It's the first of three road games in a row for Green Bay. Washington head coach Ron Rivera says Taylor Heineke will get the start at quarterback and will be backed up by rookie Sam Howell, who they drafted out of North Carolina. That's because Carson Wentz underwent surgery for a broken finger on his throwing hand. Rivera at a press conference yesterday. Taylor will start. He'll be backed up by Sam. With Taylor, what kind of you know spark can he? Well, I think because spark? of the familiarity and the things that we do, um, you know, it'll be an easy transition for us. I think with Taylor too, there there is um, you know there is always that, that that ability to run the ball. He's, he's got a little bit of that in him. So it'll be interesting, you know, because the things that we'll do, we'll we'll most certainly do will match his skill set. The Packers coming off losses to the Giants and the Jets, and now trying to avoid three in a row. Matt Lafleur, I believe in the guys we have in that locker room. I think it, it's our job to try to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to put them in position to maximize their talents. And we got to look at everything that we're doing and what we're asking of guys and try to put them in a position where they can have success. Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee Show says despite being 3-3, three and three, he's not overly concerned. There's a lot of football left. We have 11 games left. Now the bye week's coming to play. For us, we have a Thursday night game coming up next month, which gives us two in one week and then and then nice little mini-bye. Uh, so there's a lot of football left obviously we got to play better i think that's uh it's understood by everybody uh in all three phases uh, but there's definitely no panic best packers okay. coverage wisco sports show last couple of minutes here before we turn things over to the big unit bill michaels bill michaels huddle beyond all these same stations until eight i think i'm hopping on with them in 630. I was texting Ben Kenny a couple of minutes ago. Bill is at Joe Mama's tonight. And I'm I'm trying to decide if I should try to get Bill with a Joe Mama joke. Can't be that hard, right? Hey Grant, what do you think the key to victory is for the Packers on Sunday? And I'll say, I think they need to give the ball more to Joe. Utilize Joe more. And then ideally Bill would say, Joe, Joe Mama! Ha! Got him. And then I'm never invited back on the huddle ever again. I don't know. We'll see. That's my scheme. 608-796-2558. Eric on I-90. I was about to, I was about to, I was about to take that call, Eric. Call back. I wanted you to, I wanted you to give a review of my Joe Mama joke. I think it'd be pretty funny, right? I, I think, I think Bill want to make me a full-time contributor to the show if I'm able to pull that over on him. All right, Eric, we're running out of time. You want to get back in here? I'll take your call for 60 seconds. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. We covered a lot of ground tonight, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, but in the first hour, we did a lot of baseball and a little NBA as well. So a better mix, I think, tonight than the last two days. So you can check all that in the podcast. Eric, we got 60 seconds. What's going on? Hey, it's Fox opening night, right? That's tomorrow. You're very funny. I make oh, one mistake on this show. About? I make one mistake on this show. One. No, I didn't know you made the mistake. I just... I made the mistake. Oh, I think you're being a smart ass, but okay, I'll move on because we're limited in time here. I'm not being a smart ass. I'm not being a smart ass. You know, it's my analogy I was going to give you here is I feel a little bit, and I'm not trying to make light of a bad situation with like alcoholism or drug abuse, but I feel like being a Viking fan for all these years and going through this, Mm -hmm. I feel like the counselor at like a, at like a, uh, what do you call them? An when they go in, uh, with the whole thing. 
so I bet intervention. So they bring the whole family. Intervention. Intervention. intervention, yeah. I do. I feel like that. I feel like I'm just listening. I mean, there's a lot of justification. There's a lot of reasoning. There's a lot of, it's just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And everybody's got to settle down. Now, if I was going to give my advice, I'd say go ahead and crack one because you got the Washington <laughs> Commanders this weekend. Thank you. That's exactly what we needed to wrap up the show. Eric, have an awesome night. All right, bud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you too. <laughs> he said uh, my advice would be go ahead and crack one. Yeah, that's what I'd tell a family member at an intervention, too. That is probably, that's a pretty good analogy, Eric. I think you walked the line. You, you weren't making light of people with drug or alcohol problems at all. Bill Michaels, I'll up next. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.